a production of WordSouth, a content marketing company. Story Connect, the podcast, helping communicators discover ideas to shape their stories and connect with their customers. Hello, and thank you for joining us today for another episode of Story Connect, the podcast. My name is Jared Dovers, and I am your host for today. Uh, We are continuing our broadcast from the 50th Tennessee Municipal Electric Power Association annual meeting here in Nashville, Tennessee. Today, I'm joined by Ms. Sue Kelly, who is president and CEO of the American Public Power Association. How are you doing today, Sue? Fine, Jared. Have you enjoyed the meeting so far? I have had a great time here at the meeting, starting out with our tour last night of the Country Music Hall of Fame. Yes. um, And getting to listen today at lunchtime to the reminiscences of um, people who have been involved in TMEPA for its 50 years. So it's been a really wonderful experience. Absolutely. uh, Sue spoke earlier today about uh, or giving us a legislative update uh, of what's been going on for the last year. Uh, if you could start out, just kind of give us an idea about kind of what the, e- the APPA is, and you mentioned where you fall in the, the ecosystem of lobbying. Sure. APPA is the National Trade Association of Public Power Utilities. And public power utilities are defined as units of state and local government. Okay. There are about 2,000 of them in 49 states around the country. Unfortunately, no Hawaii yet, but we're working on it. Okay. And we have approximately, there's about 2,000 public power systems. 1,400 of those are members of APPA. Uh, And they range in size. Our members range in size from extremely large utilities that people have heard of, like the Los Angeles Department of Water and Power, Seattle City Light, Sacramento Municipal Utility District, Nashville, Memphis. You know, so we have large cities around the country, but we also serve a number of uh, small towns across the country. So the median APPA member has less than 2,000 meters. So that's like a town of 5,000 people. So we serve a lot of small towns all over the United States. And I think put all together, you said it was one in seven Americans. Approximately one in seven Americans are served by a public power utility. Okay. And what what is the the mission or the main function of the APPPA? Well, we're here to support our members. Um, our members' mission is to provide reliable, affordable, and environmentally responsible power. Our mission is to assist them in that. And one of the things that we want to do, you know, if we, if we aspire for when we grow up, we would like our members to be the trusted energy provider of choice in their communities because they're owned by their communities and they're not for profit. So, you know, we see it as a natural fit to have our members be the, you know, the entity that their customers look to to help them make energy service choices, to help them decide, do I want to put, you know, uh, solar on my roof or would I prefer to invest in a community solar project? Does it make sense for me to do energy efficiency? What's the payoff? You know, we'd like to be the trusted partner that they turn to when they have those questions because they own us and our only mission is to serve them. Absolutely. And you you hit the nail on the head so much that we've heard of and that, you know, 30 years ago or 40 years ago, it was pretty much, you know, it's us or the lights are off uh, kind of mentality towards uh, serving your community and communication for some, uh, for some. But today, there are other options. There's a lot more questions. There's a lot more uh, going on on the consumer side of things, things like solar power and things like that. So there's a lot of constant issues, even from the customer standpoint. 
And there's a lot, you know, that's bombarding them right now. And there's a lot, you know, every time they go to Home Depot, the first person that approaches them is from Nest, and the second person's from Solar City. And, you know, they're getting all this, you know, too much information in some respects, you know, TMI. Um, and they're trying to figure out, you know, how do I process that? What really works for me? And, you know, we would like to assist them in that process. And frankly, in order to do that, we'll have to step up our game so that we're capable of providing that assistance and hopefully provide them an array of services that they want. You know, not, uh, not be one of those things where we're reacting to what other third parties are offering, but we figured it out and we have either provided, you know, learned how to provide that service ourselves or we're partnering with third party entities to provide that array of service to our customers. So a trusted source of knowledge that people can turn to when they have TMI. I think that's a, that's yes. a great way to put it. Yes. Um, today, you told us a couple of times that you either, quote, you either go to lunch or you are lunch. So what, what does that mean and how does that fit in with uh, what the APPA is trying to do in Washington? Well, one of our prime functions in Washington for our members across the country is to advocate for them. And in Congress, uh, with the administration, various departments, you know, Department of Homeland Security, Department of Energy, and a lot of agencies, the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission, the Commodities Futures Trading Commission, you know, we have to cover a lot of ground. Our purpose is to try and, in effect, you know, try to improve life for our members, if possible, by having uh, statutes and regulations that assist them in providing um, the service that they provide. But if we can't do that, at least we can try and keep bad things from happening to them. Right. Um, and a lot of what we do in Washington is kind of providing our perspective on policy ideas that come up um, to try and shape those to uh, either improve them or at least make them less bad, if that's a term. Um, and that's where, you know, we have to get involved with our members across the country to have our mayors, our city council people, our utility managers, you know, in their pitching, explaining their views, because if they are not at lunch, you know, providing their views, they are lunch. Their views are not going to be considered, and the results of that uh, regulatory process or that legislative process is not going to be favorable to them. So our job is to kind of provide the expertise to analyze bills, to, you know, review proposed regulations, and, and to kind of tell our members, you know, this is good and you want to support it, or this is bad and you really shouldn't, and to try and kind of muster that grassroots army that we have from 49 states, from all those utility members, to come in and explain that. We do that a number of ways. We um, do a couple fly-ins during the year. One of them is our legislative rally. We usually hold that in the March time frame. We could probably get 600 members that come to town to meet with members on Capitol Hill. That's great. We also do a couple smaller fly-ins during the course of the year, one with our executive committee, which is, you know, the kind of the, the nerve center of our board of directors, and another one with what we call our policymakers, which is a council of uh, mayors and electeds and appointed officials from public power systems around the country. We did that earlier this week. We had about 38 of them in town, and they did 100 meetings in oh, the wow. course of one day. Um, oh, wow. So that's what we have is our grassroots. That's how we affect policy. You know, we do not have a large pack. Um, you know, we do not have an army of outside lobbyists. We you know we just don't have the resources for that. We're units of state and local government, so we're not going to. So what we have to use is what we've got is our expertise, our credibility, our grassroots. Right. Um, you filled us on on a, a few topics that had been uh, 
we've been talking about over the last couple of years or some things that were new. I know when I heard you speak at this annual meeting, I think it was two years ago or three years ago, we were, it was mostly about the Clean Power Act. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, a lot of ink has been spilled on both sides of that. And, right. But seems to have been put on freeze for a little while. Well, it's on hold for the moment. Um, you know, the, the EPA, Environmental Protection Agency, was kind of instructed by the administration to do something about uh, greenhouse gas emissions from existing power plants and new power plants, but, you know, the big emphasis is on existing power plants. And so they used a section of the Clean Air Act called Section 111D. They issued a rule, and um, that proposed rule was what was being discussed two years ago. And um, in our, you know, in our humble opinion, the section of the statute that EPA was employing doesn't really support the action that they took. But nonetheless, you know, if you just say, we think this is a bad idea and you shouldn't do it, that didn't get you real far. So we had to go past that in our advocacy and try to explain, you know, one, legally why we thought that was the case, but two, to also address the policy aspects of those um, proposals and to try and explain why they, you know, they aren't the best and how they could be improved. Just one example. Um, New nuclear plants that were in process at the time weren't really being given by EPA in the proposed rule kind of the the credence um, and the the states that had those plants weren't exactly being treated as well as they should have been treated under the rules, you know, because those plants were being built. So I actually went to Watts Bar. Um, along with Joanne Emerson, who was then the CEO of the National Rural Electric Cooperative Association. We toured the plant. We gave a press conference after and said, you know, TVA has labored long to bring this plant to fruition. You know, it's a major effort, major source of clean power for the southeast. You know, why isn't the, AP, uh, the EPA considering this when they are developing their regulations? Well, lo and behold, in the final regulations, that got addressed. So, you know, through impacting, you know, through advocacy, you can impact policy. So so the final EPA rule was better than the proposed rule. Okay. Not perfect. Still a lot, of, a lot of members in a lot of states who are very unhappy and very concerned about how they're going to be able to comply. Um, so we did participate in the court appeal. We went to court, and uh, we did participate in what's known as a stay request, okay. um, which was eventually granted by the Supreme Court. So because that stay has been granted, the appeals are going forward. And while EPA is still working on a few portions of the rule, accepting comments and that kind of thing, nothing is going to be final till after the court review is done. So that's why that issue's moved a little bit to the back burner because it's just it's in the courts at this time, and you know there's the court's going to do what the court's going to do, and then the Supreme Court's going to do what the Supreme Court's did, going to do, and you know all we can do is make arguments and you know kind of await the outcome. Sure. Um. I mean, obviously it won't be exact, but if you had to pick a timeline for any of that sort of thing moving or happening, are we talking about years before those appeals are done and those reviews are made? Or Well, if you, if you think about it, the oral argument is going to take place in the D.C. Circuit, I think, in September. Okay. Then even if they expedite it, that's going to take, you know, four or five months before there's an opinion. Then I think, believe there's 90 days under the statute to, to do what they call certiorari, to request Supreme Court review in a petition for certiorari very fancy Latin word. Sure. Um, and then the court decides whether or not they're going to take that or not. If they decided not to take it, 
then the case would be final and you know we would know have an answer then. If the Supreme Court does take it, which I strongly suspect they will because it's a case of such national importance, well then that adds potentially another year because you have to do all the briefing before the Supreme Court, then you have to do the oral argument, and then you have to await the outcome of that. So, you know, there's a, a number of different um, procedures and time deadlines that would run before we would have a final answer. Sure. Okay. Well, thank you for that update. appreciate that. Um, another topic that we talked about a little bit was uh, TVA, and there has been some language talking about selling TPA or TVA and getting rid of TVA. And you said, you know, in your role of keeping some bad things out, maybe some of that language has gone away. Well, what happened was um, for the last few years, up until this year, um, in the administration's budget, there was language that indicated that they should examine selling TVA or, you know, investigate that possibility. Um, and that was obviously very troublesome to, uh, to the TVA uh, customers and certainly to us. And so we have pushed back on that over the last couple of years. And so as TVA, you know, um, and they actually went out and commissioned a study about whether it would be, you know, it actually would be beneficial to do that. Um, and they got a very fancy New York investment firm to look at that and concluded, no, it wouldn't really be of benefit to the federal government to do that. So, you know, I was very pleased that this year in the Obama administration's budget, there was no such proposal. So that's another example of where when bad things don't happen because right. of your advocacy. Right. Absolutely. Things you may never know, but they did because they didn't come to pass. It's, it's the dog that did not bark in the night. That's right. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, and we closed with talking about uh, what you said keeps you up at night, and I think will keep me up at night now, is cybersecurity. Um, you gave an example from the Ukraine um, where some people had been infiltrated over the course of nine months or so, and then someone had actually taken over kind of their SCADA system and shut them down. And um, what, what are people, what can, you know, a utility who has less than 2,000 meters, who doesn't have this huge support infrastructure, who doesn't, they're not going to have a security, a cybersecurity full-time dedicated person on staff, what can they be doing to help keep them out of that kind of situation? Well, first of all, I should, I should hasten to add that the situation in Ukraine, I think most utilities in the United States would not be subject to that simply because the way they got, you know, there were certain basic kind of cyber hygiene flossing and brushing that was not being done right. I love by, that term. Yeah. by those three Ukrainian utilities. Um, on the other hand, they were able to restore power, at least in a degraded state, pretty quickly because they had been operating manually up until not that long ago. So they had a computer overlay in their industrial control system, but they were actually able to pretty easily, you know, easily, but, you know, obviously a very tense and unhappy time for them, were able to go out and restore service manually and operate the system manually while they tried to figure out what had happened to them. Um, but frankly... The uh, North American Electric Reliability Corporation, known as NERC, has done an excellent report on Ukraine, the Ukrainian situation, which is available online. And I think I actually provided, um, well, actually, I don't think I did, but there's a link to it online. And if you read that report, it talks about the steps that you should be taking to avert that kind of um, event happening to your system. And some of those steps are pretty basic. Um, And if you don't have that expertise in-house, there are certainly consultants who will assist you in evaluating your system and in, you know, figuring out what steps you need to take to, uh, for example, separate your industrial 
industrial control system from your enterprise system, you know, the billing and the outward customer-facing functions, um, and to train your staff. A lot of this is really training your staff to think before they click. Yeah. Um, a lot of this starts with what's known as phishing where somebody will send a phishing email with an attachment, you click on that attachment, and, you know, bad things, viruses invade your system, malware, that kind of stuff. So a lot of it is just training your staff to think twice before they click, uh, making sure you have proper firewalls between your um, your systems, and, um, and, and consulting with somebody on the outside to, you know, to try and figure out what it is that you're not doing that you should be doing. And um, some entities have been doing what they call red teaming. Okay. Where they hire a consultant to try and break into their system. Yeah. Um, kind of like, you know, a white hat hacker kind of thing. And once they do that, they tell you, this is, you know, this is what you should be doing that you didn't do. And this is how we got in your front door or your side door or your back door. So those are kinds of things that utilities can do. And if they feel like they don't have that wherewithal to do that individually, there's no reason why they can't go together to do that. Um, APPA is also providing a you know series of webinars, manuals, tools to try and help people evaluate their security posture. And actually, uh, earlier this week, it was announced, the DOE announced that they're going to be giving APPA a $7.5 million grant over three years to help us to, to develop tools and techniques that we can then share with our members. So um, that's one of the benefits of APPA membership. You'll get access to those tools. And if I'm listening to this and uh, my utility is an APPA member, how do I get access to those tools? Are those already being developed? Or well, we've already done some. Okay. Um, and uh, we have a section of our website where okay. you can do that, or you can just you know contact APPA staff. Obviously, we don't want to put all of that out on the website. Sure, um, sure. We also have a series of what we call listservs, that if you're an APPA member, you can sign up for these listservs. Um, and we have one that's a security listserv. We have one that's a transmission distribution listserv so that you can talk with your peers about this. Yeah, um, great. You know, and people can say, well, what are you doing and what are you doing? And, you know, what kind of consultants have you used? And have you done any red teaming? Can you recommend somebody? So we have a community where our members try to help each other. And, and again, as I noted, we have this whole series of webinars, you know, that you can take advantage of as sure. well. And does APPA uh, participate in those listservs? Do they ever step in and say, well, actually, this is what we found kind of thing? Uh, we do, and yeah. and frankly, sometimes we have to, you know, we have to monitor it for, you know, to make sure everybody is um, is abiding by basic uh, email etiquette, that kind of thing. Uh, when I was general counsel, that was part of my job. Um, okay. You know, you have yeah. you have a large community, and there's always, you know, absolutely the uh, the possibility that somebody may say something that might not be appropriate for some reason or another. Absolutely. Uh, we'll close with this uh, thought. You know, that you you talked a little bit about how uh, municipal or publicly owned utilities have such a great story to tell and they've done such you know they they occupy this part of american life that is so essential and it's been such a good story going forward how do you what kind of resources do does appa provide to help uh maybe communicators help tell that story are there maybe uh advertising things or graphics or things where they could use those to try to get out, say, on Facebook or Twitter or anything like that. Do you guys do any of that? Yes, in okay. a word, we do. We actually have a section of our website, um, which is called, uh, and well, I should backtrack a little bit and tell you that we have a strategic plan that we, uh, that our board voted on last year. It's a three-year plan. Uh, one of the six initiatives under it is called Raising Awareness of Public Power. So our own communications department is working on developing 
kind of tools and camera ready, graphics, infographics and other things that can be used, other messages that can be used. And we have a section of our website where those are available. Um, and you know, we're, we're doing a lot of things in this area. We will be producing more, um, but we also have every October, we do Public Power Week. And that's a perfect opportunity. If, you know, if you're not doing it now, I always preach to people, what about the other 51? You should be telling your story every week of the year. But, you know, but Public Power Week is a real way, to kind of a focal point where you can get in the schools, you can get in the community, you can open your utility headquarters, you can put the kids up in the bucket trucks, you can you know, do all sorts of things to build goodwill in the community and at the same time tell your story. But you know, really, Public Power Week is just a start, the minimum daily vitamin requirement. You should be, every week of the year, trying to get your message out to the community. You know, the Kiwanis, in the churches, you know, just, just we're in the community. We go to, you know, we're, we're there in the schools and the churches and the community organizations. We should be telling our story and we should be using our employees to tell our stories. They can be great ambassadors. But if they aren't really primed as to what to say or how to say it, then, you know, that's a lost opportunity. Absolutely. So we are definitely working on that. Absolutely. And if you need those resources, they are located on the APPA website. And Which is actually publicpower.org. Publicpower.org. Thank you, uh, Ms. Kelly, for talking with us today. And uh, we appreciate everyone who has been listening. Um, we'll continue to broadcast here from the TMAPA meeting. And if you're interested in subscribing to this podcast, please head over to iTunes or Stitcher. Or if you'd like to learn more, head to www.storyconnect.com. My name is Jared Dovers. I've been your host. And we have been speaking with Ms. Kelly, President and CEO of the American Public Power Association. Thank you. You've been listening to Story Connect, the podcast, a production of Word South, a content marketing company.